Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Well, it's very sad news, isn't it, uh, with the passing of uh, Olsen Philippina, regarded as one of the best New Zealand rugby league players of all time. 50 games in all he played, including 29 test matches, 107 NRL games, mainly for the Tigers, but the Roosters also, and the Bears. We're joining us now to reflect on uh, an amazing career and the life of Olsen Philippina and his former Kiwis and Eastern Suburbs teammate, Hugh McGahn. Huey, good morning to you. Good morning, Ian. Well, you just hear his voice in that little clip that we played, and it would bring back a lot of memories for you. Very sad time for you and uh, his family, of course. Exactly. Um, it, it's, uh, it's been a, an emotional ride the last 12, 15 hours since we uh, received the news on, on Ollie. Um, I actually found out from Dean Bell, uh, who, who let me know, and um, from that point on, we... Um, I had discussions with the Mad Butcher. He, the Mad Butcher was the first person who I thought of, given his relationship with Mangadi Rugby League, and and the Butcher loved him to death, and they uh, they had a great relationship. I spoke with Peter uh, last night, um, and he's obviously devastated about the, the whole thing as well. And then um, uh, communications with Mark Graham. We we just can't believe it. Um, it's a sad time, uh, a very emotional time, I think, for for a lot of us. I, I think again, we're, we're getting to that age now where uh, funerals seem to be the, uh, the the topic of conversations. We we're, we're attending more of those than twenty first birthdays and and weddings and and whatever. And and it just really comes home to roost uh, in in regards to relationships that you have with people. Uh, and 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 Nolson was was one of those who everyone had a great relationship with. He um, always had a smile on his face. Uh, he was always happy to, to see some people. He was n- never got overawed or uh, over the top in, in his standing within the game. Um, we all respected him so highly, but he always put himself back in the middle or back in the bunch, uh, just being a normal person. And uh, humility was certainly a strong uh, value that um, he held even right through to the end. Well, his mother was uh, Samoan, his dad was uh, a Maori. He proudly represented both. Uh, I guess uh, it wasn't very common uh, back uh, in those 80s. Well, not as certainly as common as it now for uh, Pacific Islanders and Maori players to dominate the, the NRL to that point. So uh, a real pioneer in his own right. He certainly was. And, uh, and he, he copped the, uh, the brunt of the, uh, the attitude towards foreign players um, in Sydney at the time. Um, um, especially if you were if you weren't white, uh, you, you copped the backlash uh, uh, from being either a dark person, whether you're a Pacific Islander or you're an Aboriginal um, or you were Lebanese or you're something else playing in the NRL. Um, you, you weren't spared anything by the um, by the public. Uh, those spectators who watch games, uh, it was common 
that um, there were a lot of verbals thrown from the from the sideline, a lot of racist comments, um, and uh, he, he copped a, a, a brunt of it. And, and he helped us get over those, the, those of us who, who went over after him. And um, uh, even while we were in the, the Kiwi team together, he was always talking about the, the, the type of response that he, he received from, from the public. And also, which, which you don't see nowadays because of um, the way things have advanced, coaches didn't know how to relate to the Pacific Island players or, or players from outside of the, the, the Sydney um, bubble. They, uh, you were treated exactly the same as everyone else, uh, which sounds fair, but if you want relationships, then you have to learn to, to deal with different cultures. And, and the coaches didn't know how to handle or speak to, to Olsen uh, they didn't understand the, the problems that he was having, given his family background. Um, but he, he, he forged through. It never got him down to the point where he was willing to, to give up, or he didn't certainly express that to, to any of us. And, um, uh, and so, so he was a pioneer in that area. And, and so now the Polynesian players now who, who play in whatever sporting competitions around the world, uh, part of the, the, the mandate of, uh, of all coaches now is to make sure that they have a relationship, they understand the culture of the people that, uh, that are coming into their, into their um, sector and, uh, and accordingly hopefully get the, the best out of them. But unfortunately, the best wasn't able to be gotten out of um, Olsen through his early stages of his club career. Uh, he started at Centre, Huey, um, but he also played a lot of footy at 5'8". Uh, I, I, I can see his build now. I mean, he had an amazingly strong... Uh, build, uh, you know, he had this, that, that amazing bump off, but also those uh, silky skills that, that made him an, uh, a playmaker as well. Uh, what what about on the field in terms of his skills from, from your memory? Well, I think everything we saw on, on television, um, we certainly saw firsthand, but we heard the impact that, that he was making uh, physically with, with the opposition. Um, and you heard the talk in the background by some of them, and, and some players didn't want to go near him. They kept yelling out to someone else to go and go and tackle him. They were, I'm not doing it. It's your job to, to do it. And just run away from from Olsen and and you know the poor people who had to get in front of him and, and try and tackle him. Um, they felt the brunt of it. Um, and as we were running past, we sort of had a little bit of a giggle. Um, but uh, Olsen kept kept his head. He, as I said before, he, he didn't get overawed by the the whole um, situation of of him. Um, uh, being idolised by those of us in, within the team and, and uh, those who knew spectators and Kiwi uh, supporters who knew him back here. He, it was just normal to him. Um, he uh, always saw himself as just a, a, another person, always had a smile on his face. And again, humility was, was at the, at the centre of everything that, uh, that, that he thought. Um, and he helped everyone else who come into the team just to, to be... Um, Part of the team, and, and one thing I, I, I remember personally was at the end of uh, '85 tour of um, Great Britain and, and France. Uh, but the, the Great Britain section, Mark Graham had to go home because of an injury that uh, he sustained. Mark was the uh, was the tour captain, and Ollie was vice captain. But after Mark left, um, Ollie didn't want to be the captain of the team. He just wanted to be one of the players, and said to Graham Lowe at, at the time, he says, "I don't want to be captain." He said, "Put Huey as, as captain." He's, he's the next cab off the rank. I'll let him go, um, but I'll support him. I'll, I'll, I'll help him transition through and, and be the leader of the team. And, and that's the humility of the of the man. He, he didn't want to be. He didn't want to stand out in front of anyone. He didn't want the title. He just wanted to be one of the boys. Uh, but uh, quietly, he was one of the big leaders of our team.
Oh, uh, Huey, you, you mentioned 1985, and I think that was probably around about the time that, that Olsen peaked, particularly internationally. Uh, and that series against Australia, uh, outplaying uh, Wally Lewis uh, over that three-match series, uh, even though you lost the series, uh, Olsen's uh, performances were absolutely lauded. Uh, you played alongside him. What, what are your memories of, of that particular series? Oh, it was, it was just a smile on his, his face. Whenever he went through Wally or past Wally, it was a... Um, uh, like a badge of honour for him because he, he he looked at Wally as this great, like most of us did. He was, he was this standout player um, uh, internationally and even locally, even though he was only playing in the Brisbane comp. Um, his uh, reputation from state of origin uh, surpassed anything else. So it was the, the joy that uh, Olsen had that we, we felt on, on, the, uh, on the field alongside him. And every player felt it uh, with, with Olsen. And... Um, and we, we ran off the back of it. He was just so totally dominant. And, and it was because he felt comfortable within that, that environment. Graham Lowe made him feel extremely um, uh, part of the team um, as opposed to other, other coaches when he was playing in, in Sydney. Um, hence why he performed to, to, to the levels that he did uh, once he got out of Sydney and came back into, into the Kiwi team. Uh, it's because he felt comfortable. Uh, people knew how to talk to him. He knew how to relate to people. Mm. People knew how to relate to him. And that showed in his performance. But we, I don't think Sydney really saw the best of Olsen at the club level um, as what they did um, internationally be, because of that, that relationship. But he was, he was just always fun to be around. Uh, I, I do have to say, he, he was the tightest bloke on you. He didn't like <laughs> to, um, to give his money away. He, uh, when we were on tour... There's always fines for doing silly things or dumb things or you make mistakes or you turn up late to training. And Ollie was fined or, you know, quite a few times, actually a number of times. Uh, but he didn't want to part with his company. So he went, always went to, whenever he got a fine, he always went to uh, the local poker machine or whatever it was to try and win some money to pay off his, his fines and um, uh, did, the, did the best. And I think he even paid off a couple of other blokes' fines because he, he made a couple extra dollars on the, on the machines. He was. Uh, he he didn't like to, to part with his money, even though, even if it was food. He'd always be sitting with his hands in his pockets and waiting for someone else to buy him a coffee or buy him <laughs> something else. He, uh, but everyone was more than happy to do do that with Ollie because he he gave more back to us in in other areas. We didn't mind paying, paying for a few things for him. Well, mind you, uh, we're told throughout his whole NRL career he continued to work as uh, as a garbage man. You wouldn't see too many players do that these days. Um, was that common back in those days to have to supplement? Uh, yes, well, if, even though it was professional, there weren't many players who were pro- uh, professional from the point of view that was their full-time job. Um, everyone had part-time jobs or had other jobs because training wasn't as full-time then as what it is now. It was still only a Tuesday, Thursday, and probably a Saturday morning uh, training before games on a, on a Sunday. Um, so we occupied our times by having jobs, and that helped supplement whatever income you, you received. And it probably wasn't until the, the mid or to the late 80s, early 90s, where full-time players started to, to come in. Um, but Olsen, he, he just loved getting getting outside. And I think he was he made himself or he was made to be a garbo because he needed to lose some weight. He, he, he was big, the big island boy going over there, playing at the, the levels that were, were required of you. And to train at the levels that was required of you, he had to do extra. And so Gar- the, the Garbo was a common thing amongst some players. Arthur Beetson, one of the great players of all time, and, and also um, our coach uh, in 85 when Olsen came to the Roosters in, in 85. Um, uh, Arthur also did uh, the garbage bins for, for a little while. 
and um, but it, it was quite common, and uh, and he loved it that much that he just he just stayed being a Garbo well after he he finished playing, even to you know only um, a few months ago when um, uh, when illness uh, set in, uh, he was he was still running the the roads, or actually I should say he was driving his truck. He didn't have to run yeah. anymore. He was driving a truck, uh, being automated nowadays. So, uh, Hugh, as you said, it's been a, a very um, sad and, and reflective time. You've, you've managed to catch up uh, with uh, Sir, Peter, Sir Peter, of course, but I would imagine there'll be a bit of a ringing around going um, on amongst um, your, uh, your Kiwi teammates and, and the reminiscences will continue for a long time. But I know it's early days. Uh, he, he basically was Sydney-based. Uh, Sydney uh, but would, would there be, uh, I guess, something planned uh, to remember him on this side of the Tasman at some point? Uh, well, yes. Again, speaking with um, Sir Peter yesterday, that uh, there's thought that they're maybe bringing his body back to be buried back in New Zealand. Uh, but there, I think there's a, a cost that's going to be involved with that. Uh, it's uh, you know they they aren't rich. They're not a rich family. Um, uh, to to bring him back, I think it's going to set them back a, a few dollars. Um, I'll try getting in contact with his brother. Um, Alfie, who's uh, on the Auckland Council, he's been extremely busy, uh, my understanding, with his family, trying to keep everyone together and uh, keep them updated with, with what's going on. Uh, but in some way, shape or form, uh, there will there will be something, uh, talking with Sir Peter, he, he did mention that. Um, and there's also uh, a number of us Kiwis, we get together once every two months or so. Uh, we're having another get-together later on this month, and that's always organised by Dane O'Hara, one of the, the great players from, from our day. Um, uh, and certainly that day will be, will be spent uh, reminiscing with, uh, with Ollie, uh, having plenty of laughs and, and jokes, and we'll take the mickey out of him. We'll, we'll have him in high regard, but we will take the mickey out of him um, as much <laughs> as we can. But certainly uh, fond memories of him. Um, Massive loss. Uh, I'm still feeling emotional about uh, since I heard it uh, yesterday, and mm. talking to a number of blokes, we're all still feeling the same. Um, a, a big loss to, to our sport. Well, Huey, uh, I can hear it in your voice. Um, but uh, thanks so much for for taking the time and providing such a, a great insight onto a, a bloke that a lot of modern day uh, league fans uh, can only hear about. They won't see too much of him because uh, they simply missed out on on a great player and a great era. But uh, thank you for your time. Uh, and those reflections. Much appreciated. Go well. My pleasure, Ian. Thank you.